The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. As, as you uh, know, I was already a wreck just watching them, you know. Well, good news and some bad news. Um, these babies are, are more protected now because of loving God. <laughs> At least turned off bad law, not based on our constitution, that allowed people to kill children. So this is pretty dramatic, I know, but it's a great moment uh, for us as people. But there's plenty more to do because the real message is Christ gives life. Christ gives life and changes lives. We talk about the 12 disciples and we'll be touching on them, but you are the disciples. You are his hands and feet. I, I, I'm somewhat, a, you know, touched by all this because I have to read this to you, which is, is, is uh, grievous, honestly. Um, friends, this was from our, our dear friend Patricia Schaefer. Some tragic news today. Our dear uh, Heather Glyer's husband, Heather, was is a part of our mom's ministry, tragically passed away last night. Please lift her and her children. Galilee, two years old. And Griffin, six months up in your prayers. We are grieving alongside her, you better believe it. And lifting her up in prayer will let you know any other ways to support her there's a GoFundMe that has been set up for Heather, and, and anyone in Moms can probably direct that to you. I have a copy, or we could run off copies for you if you need it, but they're probably easy, easily available. There will be, <laughs> this is a meal train set up and coming soon, which I will send forward to you when it is made. You know, the, the lady, you know, I always brag about her, but Diana, when she stood up here, she's been so hungry to talk to you guys about your children. They were just a joy. The largely the ladies and gentlemen who worked this week are unbelievable. Susan Wyant, Randy, her husband, so many. I, I speak their names for all of you. We are so grateful. <laughs> I'm not cracking up. Okay, did you get a vacation bill? Yes, I did. Didn't help. <laughs> it's a, it's just a dramatic, you know, I spent my life as a pro-life activist. <laughs> yeah. And to have this moment is important. I love you. And if you've had, Jesus loves you. If you've had an abortion, that's not the deal. All sins shall be forgiven the sons of men. And we'll be talking about that probably in a week. But it is just a moment. There's a little slice of life while we have a dear man who, who, who is, was a Christian and has gone to be with the Lord Jesus. Um, what I'd like to do now is uh, 
<laughs> a little bit of good news. Back there in the booth, it's Jackie's birthday. So happy birthday, Jackie. And uh, secondly, secondly, and, and, and a lesser light, not really, but my dear wife, it's her birthday and others. I don't know what's with June, but that's the birthday month, it seems. So uh, if you see Melanie wa wander in here, uh, it's, it's her birthday too, as, as we say at my house. So um, what I'd like to do this morning is uh, read you a little bit. I, I titled the sermon, uh, Band of Brothers and Sisters, the idea of it being just this. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he takes human beings and he makes them over. He does a divine makeover, a transformational process, which starts in little VBSs somewhere and then uh, mutates into you. And you become a reflection of his glory wherever you go. If you will be mindful that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, it will help you to remember the dramatic nature of his life in you that has been bequeathed to you as a gift and gifts from him, ideas, concepts, proclivities. And I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good and it makes me seem smart. So, uh, abilities to do things that you couldn't do on your own. I was lost but I was found. And what we did was, because we believed, I'm not putting this on a, we had nine kids. It's just, just the way it was. And it was a love affair from moment one. And they became, by God's grace, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start here in Mark 3. I'll read a few. Mark has already, uh, our Mark has covered this already, but I'm just going to touch it because it sets up things. And I'm going to go through about half the chapter. Again, Jesus, Mark 3, 1 through 5, he enters the synagogue. This is at Capernaum, we'll remember. I, I've, I've been there. It's, a, it's something about this part of the room. People are there. And, and he enters, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. You'd think they watch him to see him work a miracle. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that glorious? Isn't that magnificent? And what we have here is the following phrase, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with, with her hand, he said, come here. Maybe he's saying, come here to somebody in this room this morning. Maybe he's saying, come here because he has something for you. I don't know who you are, but he came to me and said, come here. He said, essentially, I will make you a fisher of men. And that has been my life. Because he came in, I lived. And now I move and I have my being in him. And it's been an amazing life. And here's a man with a withered, possibly a paralyzed or a crippled hand here in, the in this room. And you're thinking, our first thought as we open this phrase, we're thinking that uh, everybody's just going to be excited about the miracle. But there's a crowd there, and they're, they're here in our country and in our world who need Jesus Christ. Because they're not only lost, they're in deep and devastating darkness. I should know I came out of it, and I came out of it. 
Jesus loves the people around us. And you, my friends, here's the thing. You are the band of brothers and sisters who are to wage a spiritual war in the beauty of what that is with the continent, the, 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 that beautiful thing on your face and your love and your heart for the people around you. And your children are part of your witness. They all will have struggles. They all will have problems. There's not an elder here that didn't have one child do something that was just holy smoke. And I'm not going to tell on some of my own children this morning, but hello. Let's not mention it, Kevin, okay? I'm just saying. Of course, he's a cop now, so he can, uh, you know, do what he wants. But um, so he goes He's there, they're watching to see if he'll heal him so that they might accuse him. That's what they wanted to do. This particular group of people were jealous of him. They thought they would lose revenue because masses of people were beginning to gather around this small town. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here, and he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm. The Sabbath, a day of rest. The Sabbath, highly prized by the Jewish people. Mark did this last week brilliantly. Is it okay to save life or to kill? Now, he is talking to people in that room that have spent their whole life studying the Word of God. They've gone off chart. They've gone offline, but they have studied the Scriptures in a sense, to be approved. And yes, probably virtue signaling. I've memorized more Scripture than Moses. You know, this kind of thing. I stand tall. I know more than you. I win in the verbal competition in the back room and in the school place. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm, to save life or kill? But they were silent. Now, it seems like a very easy question, doesn't it, to the believer? Was the Sabbath made for man or man for the Sabbath. It was made for us. It was a time of rest. And here's a boy with a crippled hand. This is an easy question. And he looked around them when they're silent with anger. Now, all the commentaries have a hard time, commentators have a hard time with that word anger there. You know, anger, that's, that's not a good thing. Put to death, therefore, that which is earthly in you, fornication, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness. And, all, and anger is one of them. But there is such a thing as righteous indignation, a sense of shocked, shockness in, in how desperately wicked men are. It's hard to look at. He could not believe their hardness of heart. And he says to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and the hand was restored. The hand was restored. There's the answer to the question. You could do good on the Sabbath. And that actually is figured in numerous places in the Old Testament. And these people that are there, they're scribes, Pharisees, they're hypocrites, they're Herodians. This was a kind of a political class of people that uh, had aligned themselves with Roman power and were getting money out of them. And to have a new superstar on the stage made them crazy made them feel like they were nothing, and this guy was moving towards being everything and shining in the galaxy of success and fame and, ah, money, which we love if we're lost. Some of us love it too much when we're saved. Jesus withdrew from his disciples to the sea. 
And a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea. When these places are noted, what it's saying in its simplicity, if you look at a map, you will see that these are areas all over Judea, all over Israel, all over this Middle Eastern part, and they're coming from hundreds of miles away in some instances to be touched by this man. From Galilee and Jeru Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon, when the great crowd hurled all that he was doing, they came to him and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him. What, what do you need a boat for, Jesus? Well, they were pushing so hard to get near him to touch the hem of his garment that he had to go out to sea a little bit to give, an, in essence, a safe space for him to continue to give them the message of the Messiah's coming and his healing power and that God was in him to work mighty works. Blessed are the, 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 the poor in spirit, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are you that mourn, that, that, that uh, are, are hurting right now, for you will see something different and radically different in the kingdom of God. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. You can picture this moment. At this moment, he is a rock star. As a kid, I listened to a guy named Mario Lanza. He was an amazing tenor. Or you can think of the Beatles in my wife's era, or these different things. And masses of people would come at them and tear their clothes off. Jesus is out. He's protecting himself. This is a star moment. He had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the Son of God. The Bible is not sparing. It witnesses a dark, not only humanity, but a dark spiritual world out here somewhere. You, you can believe what you want regarding these entities, but the Bible is very clear, and Jesus was dealing with extreme, extreme darkness. It's easy to see, and we've discussed this, if you just peek over at the Ukraine and ask, what is that? What inspires that? What inspired Adolf Hitler to kill six million human beings? What was that? Is that man? Are we that bad? Well, yes, we are. But it's beyond that, the Scripture says. There are darkened, rebellious angels of some kind that come to do a whispering campaign and destroy and mutilate humanity. But Jesus comes to give life, and that abundant. These guys recognize who Jesus is. said they fell down on their face, and in essence, they're worshiping him as one possibility. You are the Son of God. Now, a lot of people in that era that are associated with Egyptian pharaohs, etc., were called the Son of God. But these guys had inside baseball knowledge, because at one time, the Scripture describes they had been under his leadership in the heavenlies, and they had, had, had run from that position. But they knew who he was and that he had ultimate authority over them. And he goes up he, and tells them not to make him known. The masses are here already. He is going to bear witness to himself, as is the Holy Spirit, at the right time. There's a time for everything under heaven. And it says, he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. 
You see, perhaps he knew he was one person, one entity at that time, and he gets 12 men. And this is, this is the band of brothers and sisters. This is you guys. You are the 12. You're vastly more than 12, but these guys weren't anything special. Some of them were political radicals. Some of them were tax collectors who hated, in a sense, their own people and stole from them. Some of these were troubled people, and yet something inside the very Son of Man and Son of God saw something precious and useful in you and me, in these people. We are His servants. We bear the stamp of His very nature. His glory comes upon His children. And in this case, I think one thing he is saying, just my interpretation with these 12 rather complex men, one, one was a political radical. They called him Simon the Zealot. He was zealous to knock Rome out of the box of authority in the whole world. And yet he toned that down when he came to know the Lord Jesus and began to extend a different and a wondrous kingdom. He had healed many, all who had diseases pressed, and then the unclean spirits cry out. And then he goes up on the mountain and calls to them those whom he desired. Jesus desires you. This is not for everybody because a lot of you know that he loves you and he desired you and he watched every little step you take. He sees your, your pain. He knows your weakness and frailty, and yet he loves you with an everlasting love. But there are others here that have never known love. They've never known what it's like to be unconditionally loved by the God of heaven and earth. You are his child, and he is not only your love, he is your dad, and he is your savior from whatever you are bound in. And people from all over are drawn to him. Thy kingdom come, we prayed this morning, Thy will be done. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges. The possibility here, they were called sons of thunder. It says that is sons of thunders. That's what that phrase meant. Some believe it was a, an attempt to inspire the troops, that these were actually gentlemen, and he would call them sons of thunder as if he had a vision for them, opening their mouth and proclaiming the goodness of the King of kings and Lord of lords and saying a kingdom is established that changes people's hearts from the inside out, turns them around, puts them on their feet and grants stability and wonder. Ah, let there be sons of thunder screaming that out or cry, crying that out in the midst of the street. Then there's Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew, Matthew the tax collector, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot. Ah, I hope that zeal was used then for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know that it was. All of these people came to him, and he selected them. You're here this morning at his beckoning and call. This is a moment for you to know you're loved and to know that you're his disciples. He chose you for this moment and this time, and he's gathered you together. And finally, there's some like this guy and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. 
Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for that saying, they were saying his family said he's out of his mind. Now let me unpack that just a little bit. And here's, here's what I want to say to you. You're disciples of the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you what I have experienced. When I came to Christ, the difference between my old life and my new, new life was radical. I didn't try to act holy. I wasn't. I was so lost and undone and still struggling to climb a mountain that I couldn't climb myself, but Jesus helped me. Now, we are here, and his fa family says he's out of his mind. My family said, Bill, can you kind of tone it back? Can you kind of turn down the heat a little bit? A moderation in everything is, is the gospel they believed in. But you know what? My mom went to work for a pro-life concern because she was touched by the Lord Jesus, by this crazy son that she'd inherited from the God who saved him and loved him. And my dad listened to me, and one night he tells me I was at VMI. I was in a room and a preacher preached. He never told me this. He was in a certain denomination where this language is used, and he said, and he asked us to put our heads down and raise our hand if we wanted to know Jesus Christ. He said, I did that, Bill. We had just had a, a fight over some things, a, a verbal altercation. And he, I think he wanted me to know that he had crossed the line from death to life, and he was an incredibly honorable man. Now, here's where I'm going. They were disciples. And although they get frustrated with the zealous child, you thank God he's there, perhaps in the quietness of the evening. And you guys are his disciples. He's chosen you to be here this morning at least. He's brought you to himself to hear something, and you're not out of your mind. And the scribes came down from, fair, from um, uh, Jerusalem after saying he is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he cast out demons. And we're, go we're not going to discuss that. I'm going to finish the story this morning this way. When I came to Christ, others came in. It's a moment like this one. It was very dark in the land, and I've told you this, but let me, let me point to a dear friend of mine who's named Jim McGraw. I'll tell you two stories just really quickly. Jim <laughs> was in my fraternity, and when your kid says they're going to go to a fraternity, be uh, afraid, be very afraid. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough environment for those who are not strong in their faith. Jim McGraw was there. He's about six foot three. He'd been the quarterback at Madison High School. He'd had a DuPont scholarship. He was brilliant. He was all kinds of things. But what he was not was he was not a Christian, not at all. He was a lost man, and I won't tell, I can't tell too many stories because he'll hear them. But the thing is, he gave his life to Jesus, and everything changed. I mean, radically changed. It was time, it was a process, it was step by step and inch by inch, but something happened to the man. And he looked around for me. He had not been my friend. He, I, I think I'd been a Christian for some time, and we weren't, you know, uh, meshing as a non-Christian and, and an unbeliever. And what he did was he came to me. He befriended me. Not only did he befriend me, later in this story, he hired me for jobs. He worked with uh, troubled kids who were psychologically broken, and he thought that I could be helpful to them as kind of a role model and a coach. So he brought me into that position. 
Then he took me to his church. They were looking for an intern with certain skills, and he took me there because he loved the Lord Jesus, and here's the kindness of the man. He saw Christ in me. I'm nothing. He is everything, but he saw him, and he had me walk in, and I interviewed for a job. My wife encouraged this, and I go in there. I take a job that makes no money. I'm an intern. It's beyond belief how poor we were. And yet there was joy unspeakable and flow of glory just being around his people. It went from there to an associate, to a youth minister, to associate pastor, etc. Jim was there all the way. And his wife, Linda, who was a secretary. Now, here's where I'm going with this. We had this treasured weekend and our children. And let me tell you the good news at the end of the story. Children are disciples of Jesus, and they're watching you. But when they watch you and see sincerity and reality, and then they experience him for themselves, they become world changers. Well, with Jim, what happened to him was he became a leader in our church, then he became a leader in another church. Today, one of his sons is, I believe, one of the two senior pastors, the bosses at Grace Covenant Church. Jesus Christ won all of his children to the Lord because of a simple sincerity and a deep repentance. Now, Jesus goes to the mountain, takes people aside, and gathers them to himself. And then he takes their families. Here's the beauty for this day and this Sunday, as I conclude. He takes their families and invites them in as well. I can tell you, raising children with an idea of Jesus Christ changes them forever. One of my kids is sitting here, Brett is. I'm sure Aaron is here somewhere. They were leaders of Campus Crusade at James Madison University. Well, why didn't they just go out and party forever? Okay, there's a measure of partying that's okay, I suppose. I don't know what they did. What I will tell you was they were zealous for the Lord. And we're so proud of them. And Cheryl as well. Cheryl goes here. Just what? one of the most godly people I've ever known. And his children, her children reflect that as well. What happened and how did it happen? Jesus gathered disciples. He left the crowd. He brings you along and says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I hope that's what you want because he is out to change his world. The other night, I walk into a grocery store. A man is there. He looks somewhat alone. He's working in a thing. And not by ginning anything up, not by doing anything myself, it wasn't me. The Lord puts an idea in my head, and I just talked to him about his life, where he went to school, etc. And I said that, I said, friend, I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Do you know him? I mean, I'm there in the middle of a grocery store, okay? People, he's the guy at the checking place. Not a lot of people lined up, but they were starting to come. And I'm talking to him about it. No stress, no strain, because Jesus is in. And And I got to share with him. And I looked him in the eye and said, God loves you, my friend. And he like turns away, and then he looks back, dead eye. He said, I know that. I said, God loves you. And I walked away. That's all I had time for there. There. Here's where I'm going. 
He changes us so radically that interactions like that become nothing. We become like these apostles who, if you know, as I conclude, last word, their life, they gave their lives so that people could know of the Savior. Now, if you could just pray with me. Here's, here's where I want to go. Lord Jesus, and yes, the orchestra, please come up. Lord Jesus, you were there on the mountain. They came to you. You chose them. You gave them authority over evil spirits even. You gave them power to be not only your children, but your disciples and apostles. You sent them to cities. You sent them to India. You sent them to Spain. You sent them to Italy. They died in the, uh, it, it, while pulling your cart that carried you in, into cities that people might come to know you, and we thank you for that. But my prayer is this, that if there's one person here this morning that doesn't know that you love them and that you are a treasure worth everything, and if they ask you to come into their hearts and make your abode live in them, you will change them radically and fill their heart with joy and the Holy Spirit. Lord, please show them that. And Lord, we commit them to you now. If that is the heart of anyone in this room, I'm not a hand-raising person. I came to Christ. I didn't do anything. I just sat there. And I knew I was changed. It's like a curtain opened, and I knew I could step through. Will you step through the curtain and say yes to Jesus Christ? He makes things new. He makes them special and beautiful and wonderful. And yes, in this world, you will have tribulation. But he says, be happy. I have overcome this thing. And I have made you right now in this moment to be a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new.